Hello. How's it going, man? Good, yourself? Good, we finally got to this, eh? I know, thank you so much. Sorry about that, it was just chaotic. No worries, I know uh, the new book launch, that must have been a lot. Yeah, that's good, got your copy, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you for it, though. appreciate it. No problem at all. Have you been able to go through it or not yet? I have, I have, but wow. I still have four more chapters at the end, so... Part three. <laughs> That's good. No, thank you so much. Congratulations as well on being sober. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, I had to do it, man. It was, uh, but the pandemic and, you know, just being social, it's so easy, right? Let's go get, let's go get some brewskis and yeah. <laughs> take it in control. So it's been good. Yeah. Well, that's good. Good for you. Congratulations. I cut out my social life, I guess, half of it. Yeah. yeah. How is that? It's weird. It's a lonely feeling because you know, you stop that, but you realize who your friends were and you realize how much you relied on that external factor in your life. Right. So that's been a, a journey to learn from. The other part is I started the podcast mid January. I've been wanting to do it for about five years, dude, but it just couldn't get um, over the fear or anxiety or you're hungover and yeah. couldn't do it. So, uh, give it a shot this time around. I mean, look, we got you on here, Caleb. <laughs> well, there's other people you got on here too that are pretty big deals. So that's pretty cool. Thanks, You've been man. doing really well with this. So congratulations. You're back home now or? Yeah, I'm in Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan. I've been here actually for all the pandemic. I pretty much, as soon as our school got canceled, I booked it home, uh, hopped on a, my vehicle, packed everything in and came back home. So haven't been back. I guess I've been back to Toronto once just to clean my apartment. But then I uh, came back right after. I was only there for about, two to three weeks. Do you have to pay right now while you're here? So or- yeah, I was. And then I have subletted the apartment to others. Yeah. So thankfully someone else is living there, but uh, that would have been a tough one, but I signed the contract. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> was there a pandemic leeway there for you guys? Mm, ish. It kind of like if we were able to get it, we really wanted to, uh, she wasn't that rude to us. She was, she was just like, Hey, if you, can't pay that's okay i understand but i didn't want to be that kind of guy or i yeah no, i committed no. to it so i should stick with it on that kind of person so nice and um how does it feel to be back home and living there again yeah it's actually awesome i haven't lived at home this is my first time I lived here since i was 15 um so it's been it's been pretty cool living with my family home-cooked meals um I can't complain at all and get some quality family bonding time. So I'm really grateful for that aspect. Are you in Saskatoon? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So nice. just enjoying it. Good old Sasky. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Are you guys in lockdown right now or third wave? Uh, kind of, kind of not. Right now, our government has been like pretty lax per se with the restrictions compared to Ontario, especially. Um, we don't really have a lockdown. They recommend well, they say that we need to only stay in our household, can people over, um, but we still can go golfing. We still can do other stuff. Like even restaurants are still open. So it's not a full on lockdown. It's just stay within your household. And you can dine in restaurants right now. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Alberta. We don't have that right now. It's only patios. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, we can dine in and patio. So when are you going to make it out to Calgary? Hopefully, once you get vaccinated, and and it's a little bit safer once more people are vaccinated. But yeah, I'd love to make it out here, maybe even this summer. Not 100 sure yet, but um, for sure I'll be there eventually next summer. Hopefully but I know I'm 
yeah. And that's, yeah, I was thinking about it, but it's not probably not a good place to go with COVID. And, uh, <laughs> oh my. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think Stampede would be fun though. I know Codette uh, has her breakfast club golf tournament every year. So hopefully I can attend that this year. It might be a doable thing. So I'll probably be back out if I get invited to that. Yeah, absolutely. And let me know if you're here. We'll go hit up a, a few balls somewhere. Yeah. That'd be so fun. I'd love to do that. It'd be great. So tell me about this book, man. I mean, you got endorsed by Wayne Gretzky. That's amazing. It says Crossroads will change your life for the better. That's a big deal. I, I guess. I don't know. It's pretty cool just to have the great one on it. And uh, his support truly meant the world to me. And he's been so great for all the Bronco families too. Um, but yeah, to have, just have him supporting me was incredible. And someone who I looked up to as well. I didn't really watch him too much. I was only two when he retired, but um, it's still pretty cool just to have him a part of this process. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Or how did you get a hold of him or vice versa? Yeah. yeah. So I'm good family friends with the Bateau family out of Toronto. And they own the Wayne Gretzky's restaurant. Okay. Uh, they're like the owners. And so they're really good family friends with the Gretzky family. And then that was through them that I was able to reach out to Wayne. And so um, Tom Batovi is, is the one who kind of initiated it all and he was the owner of Gretzky's restaurant in Toronto so it's super cool this connection that we had um and they are my second family the Batoves so I, I'm really grateful for them did you get to go to the restaurant ever yes I did actually so the restaurant is gone now sadly so anyone that's going to Toronto you need to worry it would have been a hot spot to go to but it's gone um they ended up packing it away but uh, I went there a couple times and I absolutely loved it. It was so cool. Memorabilia. Oh, iconic skates to open the yes, door. Yes. Yes. Sitting in the hockey hall of fame, pretty much eating supper. It felt like at least they had everything in there. It was pretty cool. Have you been? I haven't, but I saw they had an auction at the time and I was like, oh my God, like the skates at the front. And were they his skates originally? I think so. I think oh, cool. so. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. It's everything that they have. They have tons of stuff in there. So yeah, it was a cool experience for sure. And I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely miss the place. Did you get to uh, chat with Wayne or did you get to meet up with him or how did that happen? I uh, chatted with him through uh, communications, my email and phone, nothing in person yet just because of the pandemic, but hopefully after this we'll meet up, it'll be nice to meet up with him. I think. Oh, that'll be an honor. Yeah. How long has this book been uh, going on or this idea and how did it happen yeah so i honestly i'm gonna tell you right now i did not want to write a book <laughs> i never in a million years thought i'd ever write a book i'm not really big bookie per se i, I never like, i don't have I haven't, I haven't read a thousand books um but for me it actually kind of hit me in 2019 right after the crash in 2018 i ended up writing my phone some notes just about my perspectives and like what my view on life was um, and how I wanted to move forward from this, but didn't ever tell anyone or share it with anybody. Just kept in my phone notes. 2019, I ended up doing a speaking engagement kind of in the start of the year. And it was about resilience. And it was my first time ever talking about my life, not just diabetes. Cause I've done lots of diabetes work beforehand. And uh, I was comfortable talking about that. This was more about like my diabetes, almost losing my dad, and then the crash and how I wanted to move on after the crash. Not really like the details of the crash, it was just more my like perspective afterwards. And so 
I did it. And I was like shaking the entire time I was doing the speak engagement. And it's for like a little showcase of athletes. So it wasn't too big or I think there's maybe a hundred people in the building. Um, and after one person came out to me, he's like, you should write a book. And I literally laughed in the person's face, which is rude. But like, I was like, there's no way, like, I'm not writing a book. I'm sorry. I'm a student athlete right now with a brain injury. There's no way I'm writing a book. And uh, he was like, no, and I'm like, you should seriously write a book. And I was like, I'm good. Thanks. I appreciate your thoughts, but thanks. So I ended up doing a couple more of these speaking engagements and the response for like people are saying, you've changed my life. Like your story has really helped me. It's helped me change my thoughts or it's questioned, made me question certain things I've been doing or has inspired me. And I still kind of found it weird. And I even have people still tell me you should write a book. You should write a book. And at this time I was getting DMS from people and I was kind of going through all the DMS at the time, thanking uh, the people who had reached out to me. And so I was still like, well, again, lots of people are saying like your perspective and all this. And I was like, what's going on? So I talked to my agent. I was like, Hey, is this normal? Like, should I begin these kind of like, does this happen? He's like, no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> like people don't get just told they should be writing a book. He's like, your story has a lot of validity and people could really heal from it and it could help others. Mm-hmm. And I was like, weird. Okay. So I just kind of sat with it. Didn't, didn't really want to do it. He's like, do you want me to talk to a publisher? I was like, no, no, I'm good. No, thank you. So I ended up in the background, publishers were talking to him um, and inquiring about me kind of thing. And um, I guess it kind of brought back up. It would have been in October of 2019 now. And I was, I was still in school. I was in five courses. I was a student athlete. Um, I was doing our recruiting. I was helping with strength and conditioning. I was also on our varsity student athlete council. I was on leadership committee at York too. I also had my diabetes, JDRF. I was Canadian volunteer award and I was volunteer with heroes hockey. So just like all these things going on in my life. And um, he was like, Hey, are you interested in writing a book? Like I'm my agent, Jeff. And he's like, what do you think about a book? So I kind of told him like, I don't really have much interest. I don't know if I really want to do it. I don't think it could really help others. And he's like, well, I think you really need to think about this. Cause he's like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I think that you should really think about this and think about your values and how this aligns with your values. I said, okay, I, I'm really not into it, but I'll, I'll see. So I ended up talking to Haley Wickenheiser, who I became close with after the crash. And I just asked her, she's wrote a book and I think multiple books. I was like, what do you think? And she's like, yeah, why wouldn't you do it? So your story would really help others. And so it kind of still, I still wasn't convinced. So the whole thought thing for me was like, I'm so busy with all this stuff. How am I going to add a book to it? And then what did mom and dad say to them? Mom and dad were pumped. They were like, you should write a book. You, your book would be amazing. Um, it could help so many. Um, my friends, I talked to lots of friends, family, and they were all like, you got to do this. This is so cool. It's such a great opportunity. And so I still really wasn't sold. I'm not going to lie. I still sold. Um, I didn't know if I was ready mentally. I didn't know if I was ready to open myself up as well to talk about certain things. And I didn't really want the spotlight to be honest either. I was fine with just living a normal life. Um, and I didn't really know if the book could help people. Like I knew people were saying it could, but they're close people. Like there are people who are friends with me, who know me. And I didn't know if it would actually impact other people outside of me. So anyways, one day I was sitting in class. And nothing's happened yet. And my professor said, 
if you want to change the world, it starts with you. And then that was when it really all just came crushing in and hit me like a brick wall. And I was like, look, I do want to make a difference in this world. I do want to make a positive impact. And this could be something that could provide a positivity of something really negative. And so I ended up talking to my agent. We moved forward with it, met with uh, HarperCollins and Penguin Random House and uh, ended up going with HarperCollins in January, assigned 2020. And then I got a, co- a co-author, it turned to a ghost, which was Dan Robson. And um, from there on out, wrote the book throughout 2020 and finished, went to print at the end of 2020, December. I start of December, 2020, went to print. How so. hard was it to keep it a secret? Oh, yeah, it was difficult and challenging. And even my roommate was like the only one who really knew in Toronto, at least Um, at the start. It was like my agent, my roommate, so like Jeff um, and Dan HarperCollins, my roommate, my family, my girlfriend at the time. And that was about it. So I had to keep it really quiet. um, But I also want to be respectful, too. So I ended up telling the Bronco families quite shortly um, after and just like explain them situation and all that and why I want to do it and how it's going to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, after that, it kind of, yeah, it was, it was still really quiet and it was on the hush hush for quite a long time. Was there a reception, uh, from the Broncos family? Was it positive for the most part? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was. And that was something I was really grateful for that there was lots of support for that and that it was to help me on my healing journey too. Um, and so they're really supportive of that. For the listeners that don't know, Caleb, you had, when you went through the accident or you came out of the accident, you had a brain injury, you had a punctured lung. Uh, yeah. So I had a brain injury, a fractured skull, puncture wound in my skull, scalp degloving, broken neck, broken back, blood clots, muscle and ligament damage and nerve damage too. What is the, like something like that survival rate was like zero to none. Yeah, it's pretty lucky. I was like, really what the doctor said I probably should have been was in a vegetative state with my brain injury of how severe it was, like where I couldn't remember my name or how to walk or talk. And I probably should have been paralyzed from my neck down based on the broken vertebrae that I had. I had five in my neck and four in my back. And there's only seven vertebrae in your neck. So um, uh, pretty much my whole neck was not in good shape. So I should have probably been paralyzed from my neck down. But you say this often, you know, you, your message, your story, and uh, spreading the message of the people that you're with, their legacy, you know, you carry it with you throughout. And I think you have something beautifully done on your arm. Yeah. Do you mind showing it? To you? Yeah, for sure. So I have a tattoo. The birds, right? Is yeah. It? Yeah. So I have a tattoo here. Um, and it's a tribute chat tattoo, I guess. Well, it is for sure a tribute tattoo. And I, I'll try to get a little closer, but this is probably as good as we can get. Not that good with my arms, but there's stars up here. And the stars are for the 16 who aren't here. And there's 13 birds for the 13 survivors. And the reason why I chose stars and birds is because the stars are the brightness in the dark. And those people are the bright lights in the dark situation. And then the birds, um, for me, also for the stars, are always going to shine their light on me wherever I go to. And I think that was something super special and symbolic. And then with the birds too, the birds aspect was that it was for the survivors and that we all are together as a pack and birds do travel in pack. And uh, there is no one leader. The birds always switch who's in the front, who's on the back. 
And uh, they all can fly in different directions in life too. And that we're trying to fly into the light um, with our stars looking over us. And so it was super symbolic in that way. And then frozen ice for like the bond that we shared um, with the Broncos stick and puck as well. And uh, I really wanted it to be in a spot where it meant a lot to me. And so in Saskatoon, this is where I went to heal after the crash and kind of get away, but still be out healthy in the pub without public eye being on me, but still kind of find some healing comfort. So I was in Saskatoon by the Broadway bridge. Um, so yeah, it's really a symbolic tattoo and I am not really a big person for tattoos, to be honest. I also have a big one on me now, but, but before I really wasn't a big person. And then after, once I learned that I needed something for my diabetes and there was nothing there, I got a diabetic. So the other side, I guess has my diabetes on it. So this side now, now it's really not showing that. Oh, good. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. So it says type one diabetic there and it has needle um, compass, a map in the background, but that's more for the family aspect and my community of where I've came from. Do you um, only have one sleeve done? Or yeah. I only have half a sleeve from my arm down, elbow down. Did it get addicting? Like most people say, where you want to continue on? Yeah. So like, I'm not a really addictive person. I haven't really had that personality, but I'm not, not addicted at all. I don't even need another tattoo. I'm happy with what I got. I don't think I'll ever need one again, but I know lots of people that get one. They're like, Oh, I need to get another one. I need to get another one. I don't have that for at least tattoos or many other things in my life. So I'm fortunate with that. It's a pretty expensive uh, hobby. Oh, I couldn't imagine. Like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine how expensive of a hobby that would be. <laughs> now, are you doing online schooling right now? Or have you just been so busy with the book and its promotions and getting it out to people? So I've actually been doing online school throughout this whole process too. Um, while writing this book? Yes, while writing the book. Yeah, so especially in last semester. So from... I guess, September, 2020 to December, 2020. Yeah. Cause it's 2021. Yeah. So from there, that was an absolute grind. Cause I was like in the heat of the book editing stages and you were like really fine tuning things. You're even, I was even writing some chapters or like rewriting or cutting and be like, Oh, I don't like this. I'm going to rewrite the whole thing. And I was like really getting into it at that time, but I was also in the five courses and was like on our team. I had tons of different community engagement things too within York. Um, yeah. So I was on the black and indigenous varsity student athlete Alliance, um, student council, leadership council. <laughs> and then I was also with helping our team with recruiting. So there's just so many things on top of it. Um, and we also had team meetings at least twice a week, which is not as much as often as it is during the season where we do every day, but um that was definitely difficult, not going to lie. So then this semester, I was able to later load it. So I had three courses. And I ended up finishing one of my courses early. I finished it in May. So um, I wrote the final exam in May before the book launch, or sorry, in March, before the book even launched. And uh, I think the first, it would have been the first day of March, I wrote the final. Um, so I whizzed through that course and I only had two left. And they were two of my hardest in my degree. So, uh, yeah, I, I, what are you getting your degree in? I got my degree in commerce. So I actually graduated this spring here with a commerce degree and hopefully going into chiropractic studies this fall. So I'm really excited for that. Are you still playing on the side or here and there? Yeah, actually, I wish I was still playing games, but 
I am still pressing on the team uh, in full practices, just no contact um, and working out with the team and still skating, but I haven't been in clear contact yet due to the severity of my brain injury. Uh, the doctors, like I have no symptoms per se on the ice. It's more just the image itself is just that bad that they worry if I do take another hit that I might actually end up in the phase and stage that I should be in. So um, we're trying to be a little bit safe and cautious about it and not risk it. So was there any flashbacks for you or, or moments like say, if you're going into a vehicle and you're like, Oh shit, like it's scary. Is there moments like that? Or do you think about things like that? Yeah. And honestly, for me, I don't, I don't have any, anything like that. I don't suffer from PTSD. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And I think that even right after the crash, I went to would have been to Capitals game in Washington and uh, we got into this cab and it was all good. And we got to the rink um, and then on our way out, there's a, they say they're going to pay us up in a bus, like not a bus. They say they're going to pick us up in a hotel shuttle. So we're like, okay, whatever. So we go out and it was literally a bus, the exact kind of similar bus that I took and on April 6th. And that was the last time I was on a bus. So this was like two months after. And I was like, whoa, okay. Going on the bus. And it didn't hit me until I kind of stepped on it and I sat down. And when I sat down, I was like, oh, wow. I This is my first time on a bus. And then I looked to my parents to the left and I was like, oh, you're sitting in Darcy's spot. And they were like, oh my goodness, this is Kayla's first time on a bus yeah. since. And I was like, yeah, I'm sitting in Mark's spot. And then they really hit them like, holy crap, like, this is crazy. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, it's not the same bus. It was Caleb, one- for the listeners who was uh, assistant coach Mark Cross to you. Yeah, he was, uh, he, he was a university graduate. And so he was like, kind of mentored me into me being a line and shaping me into the, trying to make me be a line in his time. And uh, he helped me get there for sure. I wouldn't have been aligned without Mark Cross in my life. So was it, was it hard for you to, you know, when you start making, putting things together, you start becoming more coherent Were you like, where's my friends? Where are my teammates? Where's coach? And when you start hearing the names and whatnot, was that difficult for you to process? Cause I couldn't even imagine what you were going. Yeah. Through. So when I was in the hospital, um, I don't remember the first, four and a half days. And then, like you said, I kind of became more coherent or my memory came back and I started to remember things. Um, that was really when it hit me was when I looked around, I was like, well, why am I in a hospital? And I thought I literally got checked from behind in a game. That was what it was. I thought I got hit from behind during a hockey game. I have a neck brace on. I was injured, checked from behind as this, this happens. I mean, the first time in my life, but it does happen. And so then when they told me about the crash, I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. And then they even told me that people pass away and how Dana was the one passing away they were crying about. And I was just so confused about it. I was like, well, what do you mean Dana passed away? Like, what about other people? Like, why, how would Dana pass away and not anybody else? Like, well, others, 16 others, like 15 others have passed away and Dana was the 16th. And that was just so hard for me to wrap my head around that aspect. Um, and I still like, there's 16 names and it's hard to even comprehend losing one person, let alone 16. Yeah. And, uh, then not even a couple minutes later, I had to go to physio. So I literally didn't even get to process who was all here, who wasn't, I didn't even know my injuries when I went to physio. I just went to physio. Um, and they told me the exercises to do. 
<laughs> I didn't know my injuries. And then I came back and it was just a whirlwind again. And then by the end of the night, um, I was finally by myself and able to just reflect again and looked at my phone, which didn't even look like my phone. It was a random new phone I got. Um, but I went through all the social media. I was going to text one of my roommates, Stephen Wack. And when I had the message all typed out, I was going to hit send. And then it just hit me. He won't receive it. And then that was like really when it hurt and it hit me. I was like, okay, this is a real thing. And you see on Twitter and Instagram, six out for Humboldt, prayers for Broncos. It's just, it was crazy. And that was like really when validated, like validity to what the situation was. So it was hard. I even asked questions like, why me? And like you said, like, why am I here? And why are others not here? Or how does this even make sense? Why does this even happen to us? And like, it wouldn't make sense because there's a person beside me passed away, a person behind me passed away. It just- Oh, didn't. literally like, cause was it two people to a seat? Is that how it- No, it was, well, there was two people to a seat, but there was only one person per seat. And so I was sitting in the aisle seat, um, driver's side um, in the 12th row. And so beside me, the person passed away, behind me, the person passed away, behind him passed away. So it literally just didn't make, and in front of me, he survived. It just didn't make sense. It didn't make sense at all. And um, I thought like that, that would really, it'd be, it'd make more sense if only the people at the front passed away because of the collision, it would make more sense. But like the fact that there's just people behind me that passed away, just didn't make sense. Um, and you were, so there was there a bit of that survivor's guilt, I call it. Sure. For sure. There's survivor's guilt at the start, but then I really wrapped my head around it. And I was like, Hey, you know what? I have an opportunity here to live my life to the fullest for those who aren't here. And if I wasn't here, what would I want the others to do? And it's a hard concept to take in, but it really like, it is the way that I helped heal. And at the end of the day, I had to accept it. And in my life before I had to accept things that were hard to, and difficult to accept that I never get answers to. And this was one of the situations where I knew I never get answers that I wanted or wanted to know or hear. And I just had to make the most of these, uh, the situation I was in and to live my life to the fullest for those who aren't here to be happy, to be positive, to be the person I am and to keep moving forward in life, because that's what I'd want the survivors to do too. So, um, it was definitely a full kind of circle effect where I put myself in the other people's shoes, but then also thought of how grateful I was to even have the bond with those people. There's like 8 billion people in this world and like to have a bond with 16 people, who aren't here today and share that time with them and learn from them was something I'm really grateful for. Your dad's a nurse, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. My mom and dad are both nurses. When all of this happened, I remember watching the news and your dad's eyes were bloodshot and what he had seen, you could see he was destroyed utterly. The pain you felt, I felt, what was dad's reaction now and how has he been able to cope with it being a parent on scene, seeing all this and being able to not struggle as much or is yeah. he struggling? And how do you I think, cope with it? yeah, I think both my mom and dad are doing quite well with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both on the scene that day and they're both nurses. And I don't know. They said like shock kicked in and their instincts kicked in more than them actually like remembering things. It was more like shock and they were like, okay, how can we help? Can we do this? Can we do that? 
is this working? Is this not working? It was more like just everything took over and they weren't really sitting there and understand the full capacity of it. And they said it was like hard to even wrap your head around what just happened or what they were even seeing either. They didn't even know what was going on. Um, and so they are doing very well. And I think this book was super cathartic in my healing journey, but also our family's healing journey too, because they, they filled in those four and a half days. I don't remember. And they were showing so much strength to talk about it and to open themselves up. So I think it was really a full circle for all of us healing and to all help move forward. And I think even how I've responded has helped them too. And how I've been able to continue just enjoying life. Um, and even all the other survivors are continuing to fight and continue to move forward and to find the positives. Um, so I think. How's your bond with everyone still? Yeah. Is everyone- yeah we, uh, we get together every year. So uh, we actually plan to get together this year. And it might even be in Calgary, to be honest. Um, we've, we're kind of figuring out weekends right now. It works. And uh, when we're going to do it. But yeah, it looks like Calgary is an idea. And um, last year it was canceled because COVID the year before we went to um, would have been Kelowna. And then the year before we had Edmonton and Vegas. So uh, it's just nice for us to get together and just spend some time with each other and just enjoy it. So um, looking forward to that. We still have a group chat. We keep in touch in there and we're all supportive of each other. So that's what are I'm you doing. still in touch with uh, Steven's parents? And- yeah. Yeah, no, I'm still in touch with all the 16 angel families too. I really tried to be in touch with them. And even throughout this book process, when I wrote chapter 16, I sent them all their sons or daughter chapter. And um, I wanted to make sure that they were approved of it. And they thought they were happy with it because it was my thoughts of those 16, how much it meant to me. But I also want to make sure that they're okay with how their kids were being shown in my light and um brought to this like uh their, their name and all that so i wanted to make sure that i was respectful um and then that it was in line with what they thought for the listeners before we get going here what was um dad was sick and you were dealing with that you were dealing with obviously the diabetes the accident schooling pandemic brain injury uh do you want to tell uh shed a little light on what was uh going on with dad at a certain point like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I've been through quite a bit, I guess, eh? yeah. but, uh, for your smiling. Yeah, of course. Like that's life and life is going to be difficult. And it's going to be hard. And it's to really just enjoy the process of life and to enjoy the grind in life because we all have our own grinds. And like you said, those are some of my grinds. Do you uh, stay level-headed though, or in your, your moments of stress now, are you just like, oh, I'll get past it. Yeah. It kind of like, I'll just get past it, but it's also, you do get a bit stressed. I do get overwhelmed. Like even with school doing those five courses and writing like last semester, that was hard. That was probably the most overwhelmed I've ever been. Um, but also it was like, this is a cool grind and such a cool opportunity to have this and to actually even be able to have this as my grind. Even I put myself like say we're in Africa right now and us, even on this podcast, like us talking right now, this wouldn't happen. Like if, if we wouldn't have the technology, I'd be in a field and working 12 hours a day so I can give my family food for the night. So us to have this kind of privilege and this kind of life is something I'm so grateful for. So yes, I've been through lots, but it could be a lot worse too. And um, with my dad, he was sick. He got in a crash 
and um, ended up almost not dying. He was looked perfectly fine, but then got this onset illness, which almost killed him when I was 16. And uh, I even got a text from my mom saying, this is the, like, he need to get home now. He's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. And that was, while well, I was playing a game in Tisdale a few hours away. And um, yeah, I, I just think that he's doing so much better now. Uh, he was able to get through it. So for everyone that's listening, he's doing all right today. Mm-hmm. Um, he has like 30 pills he has to take per day, but it's still keeping him going. He's still here and he's still trying to enjoy every moment and live big as he would say. So um, that's what our family tries to do is just try to make the most of every situation because you can't control it, but you can control how you want to react to it. Absolutely. Like, I can, do we see you moving to Calgary one day? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I would never say no, honestly. I love it in Calgary. love the mountains. I love the city. I love the people. It's honestly, yeah, it's a really great spot personally. And yeah, I think I would, if I had to move to a place today, that'd be one of them for sure. That'd, that'd be one of the places I had to move to for sure today. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today, Caleb. No, thank you so much for having me on here, Zach. I'm absolutely honored.